What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Next Man Up podcast. My name is Tom. I will be joined in a moment by my co-hosts, Derek and Greg. We recorded this before the news of Ron Gronkowski returning to football, the day 24-7 champion going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, which is an interesting move, and we'll get to that in our post-draft episode. And we also recorded this before the news of Bud Light actually sponsoring a Roger Goodell boo session, which we ourselves, or more specifically Derek, brought up in this podcast. So clearly we're already trendsetters. Clearly the NFL has already listened to us before we even put out an episode. So that, that's pretty good. Uh, sit back, relax, and uh, enjoy the football knowledge. And it is a glorious Thursday afternoon in Texas. I don't know what it's like in PA, but I guess I'm about to find out because I am bringing in my co-host, first and foremost. He is a Penn State senior, and he will not be able to get his graduation this year, unfortunately. But uh, maybe Barack Obama will do a national commencement for everybody in, in, in his honor. It is uh, Greg Gavazzi, ladies and gentlemen. How's it going, Greg? Hey, it's going as good as it can be, just making the best of this uh, good quarantine situation. How about yourself, Tom? Uh, not too bad. I'm not really under quarantine. I'm still essential. Uh, <laughs> so uh, as essential as the newspaper people are in, in, in Texas, you know, everybody thinks we're fake news. But technically, I'm still essential. So what's your, uh, what's your quarantine routine been like, Greg? You, you've been getting a lot of sleep. You're streaming. What you been doing? Yeah, so we've still got classes finishing up. Uh, like you said, I'm in the home stretch. Uh, so we actually still have synchronous classes. I think it's a financial aid thing. So anybody who's on aid can still keep getting that. So I've been having to log into Zoom lectures every day. And then when not in Zoom, I've been uh, doing some running, some reading. I've been helping around the house a little bit and mostly just trying to, you know, not get the quarantine 15. You are actually one of the only people that like decide has decided to be productive through this whole thing because I, everybody I ask is just like, "Yo, bro, I watched Tiger King for the tenth time, bro. That was insane." And I'm like, dude, just be productive with your time. So I, I appreciate you, Greg, for being being productive. Uh, let me bring in our second host. He is the big BLD Bud Light Derek himself, uh, my friend for six years now going on uh let me bring him in mr Derek Rieger. how's it going hello tommy leffler i just want to say man you have always been essential to me and my life and my heart so uh never forget that man you'll always be essential i don't know about newspapers but you will be essential no we're, we're definitely not essential like the whole paper industry is going to hell in a am basket i'd waste so much time getting into that but are are, are you are you essential with your advertising job i forget I don't believe that I am like essential, essential. Like we will def we definitely uh, shut our office down, uh, but we are fully digital. So we are, we are all working remote. Um, I'm, I'm in Pennsylvania right now, about a neighborhood over from Greg uh, and operating mostly on, on uh, West coast time. So literally just three, three hours ahead of like everybody else that's that's uh, waking up and still trying to get to my evening meetings and everything, but that's where we're at. Excellent. Well, you know what else is essential? The need to have football news. And we can tell this because the, this pandemic has been going on. Everything's going to hell. And what's the one consistent thing? NFL news is coming out. The NFL, like the fucking ultimate opportunists they are, they know that nothing else is going on right now sports-wise. They know they can make a big splash and keep their name in there uh, like they always do. Uh, so I guess the, the big winner, first of all, is the NFL here in this offseason. 
but we'll just uh, get into some off-season things here. The, uh, the first is, uh, of course, the move of uh, the biggest T name to move teams. And, of course, I'm talking about Tyler Medikevich to the Buffalo Bills from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Temple University Huge move. Zone. Yep. Monumental. Huge. I mean, a special teams warrior. Uh, I'm going to actually get to the Bills later for real, but uh, a special teams warrior and uh, my personal favorite signing of the offseason. But, of course, the other, uh, the other T, I guess he's kind of small time, Tom Brady. You know, he's kind of from Michigan, so we know he sucks, but I, I, I guess he's okay. Mr. Irrelevant. 199. He, he's made somewhat of a career for himself, I would think. So he's going to Tampa Bay, which if you told me that last year, I'd say, what, Tampa Bay, really? But he's going to Tampa Bay. He's going to the Bucks. And why, first off, why do you guys think he even made this move in the first place? Was it more to get away from New England? Was it what Tampa Bay was offering him? Was it something else? Uh, Derek, I'll start with you. So I can't, I can't say that I can't not say that ego slash uh, some type of in, internal term oil like played some some type of a role role in it like we've always heard rumbles in the bushes coming out of New England that uh, you know Brady and Belichick aren't, aren't getting along you know sprouting the Jimmy Garoppolo trade uh, and then San Francisco going going to this going to the Super Bowl there's just been a lot of things coming out of that organization saying that the culture is not the same it's not it's not as fun fun anymore so definitely think that Tom Brady was looking for a change in this instance. Um, I think personally that he, he really is making a money, a money move here. Tom Brady is somebody that has neglected going for the larger contracts um, like across, across his career uh, just because he wants to give salary to the rest of the team to enable the Patriots to uh, be victorious and stack all of these, all of these Super Bowls on top of each other. But you're going, you're going into Tampa Bay. Now you're running Derek Jeter's mansion um, with Giselle, you know, having a, having a great time. And this guy's trademarking uh, two phrases. One would be Tampa Bay and the other one would be Tampa Brady for merchandising rights. And I really think that the TV to TV movement uh, was most, mostly money, money concern related, but there is also something, something, um, you know, appealing about going into a Bruce Arians, you know, offense as well with Chris Godwin's, Mike Evans. Uh, and I, I definitely think that they'll be more relevant than, than they have been with uh, James, James Winston. Uh, but yeah, I think it's internal, internal, and then also money moves. Okay. First of all, what's worse, Tampa, Bre Tampa Bay or Tampa Brady? I'm going to say it's, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. I actually Tampa. like Tampa Bay a little bit more. I think that it's more, more creative than uh, Tampa Brady. It's more creative, but I also can barely pronounce it. Now, maybe that's just because I mumble a lot, but I, I can barely pronounce the damn thing. Tampa, Tampa Bay. It's Tampa Bay now. Like, literally, they should change the name of the city. Like, literally just, like, <laughs> trawling, trawling O over, over all, all of the A's. Yeah, this, is, this has been effectively the forgotten sports team in Florida finally get it, getting a big name behind it. Uh, I know Jameis, you know, tends to put up four, 400 yards and a few touchdowns every, every single game, but he also comes in with like four or five different turnovers as well, uh, and they just haven't been able to get it done. So definitely definitely think that this was a good move for the city, give them something something exciting about, especially in this pandemic that we're looking at. Yeah, the, the big issue there with Jameis was a lot of those touchdowns he threw were to the other team. 
And I think that that almost is some of why I think Brady went there is he saw that if they could just limit the turnovers, that team had a lot of potential. And what does Brady do? Not turn the ball over. So I think that that was a lot of it. Um, I think going back to what you said, that supporting staff is a lot of how he wound up in Tampa Bay. You've got Evans, you've got Penn State alum Godwin, you've got Howard, you've got a solid offensive line. My big question is whether with the clout he's going to have in the front office or if somebody's going to develop or through the draft, what are they going to do with the running back situation? Because Brady is used to having a stable of consistent running backs to help him out, whether it's dink and dunk passes, whether it's play action passes. Um, And right now when you're dealing with Ronald Jones, not a bad player, but he's been incredibly inconsistent. And I'm very curious to see what unfolds in the rest of the offseason in Tampa Bay at that running back position. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I, I had Jameis on my fantasy team all last season. So I watched quite a few Buccaneers games. Ronald Jones is more than inconsistent. That dude is not good. I'm just going to say it. He, he runs in three yards, runs into a brick wall every time. I watched those games, and what, every time coming out of it, I felt – Jameis Winston was the best running back on Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So you're, you're definitely right in that they need help. I definitely think that them making the move for Brady definitely increases the likelihood that they might take, you know, a, a running running back within the first, you know, one, one to three rounds in the draft this year, because it's not just the need of Brady to have a dink and dunk guy, uh, you know, in the backfield to enable his offensive game. Bruce Arians historically has has touted the importance of have, having his running backs having pass catching abilities. You look at like 2016, the emergence of David Johnson, how many touchdowns that he was able to have with Carson Palmer. Uh, and just really, I think Arians has, has made it known that he is frustrated uh, with the lack of versatility of his current current running back core, so I could definitely see them still either making up making a move. Free agency is kind of on that way out now. Everybody's looking to the draft, uh, but I could definitely see them making a splash in the draft for the position. Yeah, so I'm going to give you a case here, and you're going to call me freaking crazy. I think next year I would take Jameis over Brady if I'm building a team and I wanted one quarterback. And let, let me give you the case. Tampa's going to have to change – first off, Tampa's going to have to change their whole offense to fit Brady. When's the last time you saw Brady throw it 40 yards down the field and hit a guy perfectly? What, was it Gronk in the Super Bowl a couple years ago? And that was only like a 25-yard pass. So they're going to have to change their whole offense. You're going to ne- – not neuter Godwin and Evans, but like these guys are supremely talented, and then they're just going to be running crossing routes half the, half the game. Uh, uh, Jameis will fuck you with the turnovers. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that but he'll actually keep you in games you wouldn't have any right to be in otherwise. When they went to Seattle earlier in the season, they had no right to be in that game. They had no right to take that to overtime, but they did because Jameis was that damn good. Brady, I don't know if he could do that anymore. You look back to the Baltimore game, 37-20 loss. Brady went 30 for 46, 285 yards, one TD, one pick. If Jameis had 46 pass attempts, I bet you he would do better than 285. You go, you look at the uh, offensive simple rating system from Pro Football Reference. The Bucks were fifth in the league at 4.9. The only teams better than them, the Ravens, Chiefs, Niners, Saints. So if you're just looking at offensive production, they are one of the top in the league, and the only four teams ahead of them are all playoff squads. Like I said before, Jameis was the best running back on the freaking team, in my opinion. Uh, and down the stretch for Brady, I just he kind of blew up. 
I, I don't know if he can last 16 plus games anymore and still be effective for all 16. So a, a lot of these metrics between Brady and Jamison and QBR and all that stuff is close. But with an extra year of age on Brady, I, I think I'd rather take Jameis. What, what do you think about that? Am I crazy? I, I think if you're talking in the long term, you're not crazy. But I think if you're talking in the short term, and especially in Tampa Bay, you are. Because I think the big thing for Jameis is he needs a fresh start. He's gotten this whole label in Tampa Bay as a turnover machine. I think he needs to go a year as a backup and take a moment, get his head straight on the turnovers. And I think from then on out, he will be more than a capable NFL quarterback for exactly a lot of those numbers that you mentioned. But he just needs a year to reset, get a fresh start, get a new image going. So if you're talking in the long term, I completely see that argument. But if you're talking this year, especially a year where Brady and Tampa Bay have the potential to be the first team to win a Super Bowl in their home city, I think that if you're just going for this year and if you want that chance at winning that historic Super Bowl, I think you've got to go with Brady. Derek, your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think it's just a different offense offensive mindset in the game. Like you can't just bullet it down to stats because the the stats the stats kind of ring true in the sense that although Brady Brady doesn't have you know the the explosiveness at this point in this point in his career, you know he's still the most win win innings quarterback of all time he still knows what he needs to do to win games and a lot a lot of the plays that James is making is really out of necessity I think that right now you know he's he's really kind of figuring out whether or not he's going to be like a a journeyman type of quarterback kind of like a uh you know former teammate Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of guy bouncing around from team to team winning winning games and being capable or is he going to actually figure his stuff out uh get get his LASIK surgery done and uh actually be able to see downfield uh and end up being a major play playmaker and a franchise quarterback I don't know which which one is is going to be right only time will tell uh but in terms of you know being being win now I do agree with you Tom that like uh Evans and Godwin specifically are downfield threats and uh Brady's Brady's uh you know explosiveness definitely doesn't lend itself to that but Evans Evans and Godwin are also you know big big targets that I could see you know being you know uh ball getters in in the in the end zone particularly now, the one thing you have to say about Brady is that he will bring discipline to that team. Uh, another stat, Tampa Bay had the most offensive penalties of any team uh, in the NFL last season. And it, it would be okay because, you know, if, uh, let's say, Donovan Smith, our, our fellow Penn State alum, he, he has a hold, he's, he's okay with it because Jameis doesn't really care. He, he just gets another opportunity to throw it deep. If you're getting a holding call with Tom Brady in the center, he's going to let you know. He's going to tell you, hey, uh, knock that shit off. So in a team that needs discipline, I I suppose Brady would be the fit there. I agree. Yeah, no, it was really entertaining for me to watch uh, Peyton's places where he was like, I don't care if you're a first first round pick. Don't fuck it up if you get if you get an opportunity. The dude is very very uh, colorblind and agnostic to any type of pedigree of player co- coming into coming into the league. You know he's he's based off of performance and he's not going to tolerate anything less than perfection. So when you look at the NFC in general, it's just going to be a freaking bloodbath next year. You got the Eagles coming back with a healthy Wentz. You got Hopefully the Cowboys come back with Dak because I, I just I don't want to see those 
this to uh, go away from each other. I hate Cowboys, but I enjoy Dak, and I think he's actually the right leader for that team. So you got those two teams. You got the Packers still around, the Vikings still around, the Bears still around, the Falcons are going to improve in their own division. Uh, the Panthers, we'll get to them later. We have the Saints are still good, and the NFC West is the best division in football. So between all that, do you, do you even think they're going to get a playoff spot out of this? Yeah, I, don't, I, I really think that it will be competitive. Most definitely. So you switching conferences here. Uh, let's go to somebody that we all know very well as uh, Penn State alum. You know, they have the uh, inside Beaver Stadium. They got all the tributes to the teams, you know, the 94 team, all that. They also had the 2012 team because that was the year after the Sandusky Sandal, everybody's staying. And, of course, the coach of that team, Bill O'Brien, is now in Houston, so I am doubly used to him being a Texas resident. My God, like, what kind of drugs was this guy on? Was he smoking? Was he on fucking crack? I, I, I don't understand. Uh, just your, your, your initial thoughts on Bill O'Brien's offseason in Houston. I, I'm just confused. I, I don't quite understand why you trade away arguably the best wide receiver in football and then you proceed to turn around and give up some of what you got back for him for, I mean, a good wide receiver, but someone who fixes the problem that you've created. Um, it just it doesn't quite add up to me. Uh, I think, you know, this is a very risky maneuver, which, you know, if these two pieces that he brought in click better with Watson, maybe allow Will Fuller to shine a little bit more. Like if all of those pieces fall into place, then maybe this will look defensible in a year or two from now. But that that's really a hedge to be trying to look at a good way to understand what he's been doing. Yeah, there's nothing I hate more than compounding a mistake with a further mistake if you're an NFL GM. So you get rid of Hopkins – and he's been the only consistently healthy wide receiver that you've had because QT has had his injury issues. Obviously, Fuller has his injury issues every single year. So what do you go and do? You go and grab Randall Cobb, who, who's been injury prone in the past. You go ahead and grab Brandon Cooks, who has obviously been injury prone in the past. And now you're relying on all these guys who have these health issues instead of having the guy that you could rely on in Hopkins. Now, I don't know what the behind-the-scenes deals were, but I do know that A.B. Antonio Brown was a friggin' dickhead in Pittsburgh for the last five years, but Mike Tomlin was still able to get along with him, and the front office was still able to get along with him, at least to the point where he was on the field every week. So, I, Derek, can you make any sense out of this? Um, no. I mean, I, I, think that, I think that the Brandon Cooks move, like, like I see – I see that there's consistency there, you know, like I know that this dude's been passed around uh, like a blunt at Snoop Dogg's birthday party, but um, you know, like I, I, I see consistency there in just the stats. The dude puts up like 1200, 1300 yards uh, every single year. Never has been, never has been a huge touchdown guy. Uh, definitely, definitely don't think that he's a suitable replace replacement for Hopkins, who is, in my opinion, you know, one of, if not the best best receiver in the league at this time. Um, and and the the fact that they they took on David Johnson's contract in that deal as well uh, just re really does doesn't make sense to me because this this guy, uh, you know, made himself one one of the highest paid running backs in the in the league, and, and then uh, immediately you know was wasn't able to hold hold up from a durability perspective, and then. 
um, after after the coaching changes in Arizona just wasn't a good fit. And then we had Kenyon Drake doing uh, uh, touchdown celebrations where he literally is like opening up a vault, vault and uh, taking a bunch of money out. So you know that guy's trying to get paid. Yeah, no, it's this is uh, this is nuts. So just one other note I wanted to make about Houston. They don't even have their first-round pick because of the Laramie Tunsil trade. So if they were thinking of drafting one of these uh, wide receivers, you know, Ruggs or, or whoever, they're not going to get that chance. So just uh, uh, bad times all around. And if I'm Deshaun Watson, I would want out of there. Uh, let's go back to the NFC. I wanted to touch on the Cowboys, actually. I don't – I don't think their moves help them at, at all. I don't think that Gerald McCoy and Poe and bringing in all those guys is going to help their defense get to that next level. Uh, I don't think those are difference makers. You know, you look at Gerald McCoy and you think, oh, he was one of the best uh, defensive tackles of the last 10 years. But last year he was ranked, I believe it was number 41 on a pro football reference as far as approximate value for defensive tackles. So uh, you're, you're really paying for past performance there. Uh, what, do you, what do you guys think about the, uh, the Cowboys? Do you think that it, it, it matters if Dak comes back or not? Do you, do you think they're going to contend either way? Will Dak Prescott get coronavirus? That's what I want to know. They are partying right now like it's 1995. Like it's literally – like they're they're practicing with with uh, Des Bryant. They are throwing birthday parties, and they are they are ignoring. Every, they're they're living like they're in Texas, honestly, Tom. So that's what I want to know. First off, second off, what kind of money is it going to take for for Dak to sign a long term deal? I know they got close, but that's that's going to be a huge chunk of cap space. They're they're talking about length of contracts now. Like he, he wants a shorter deal. Um, so, so he could get more money, you know, down the line, two, two or three years down the line. Uh, like, I, I don't know. I, I love that he's, he's sticking, sticking it there just because I really don't believe in his talent. I think, I think that he is a subpar quarterback in the same realm as like a Kirk Cousins type of guy. Um, so, yeah, no, sign him. Like, I don't care. Yeah, and it, it's almost like – if they had enough confidence in him to – if they thought they could win a Super Bowl with him, they would have just signed him straight up. They wouldn't have gone through this tag business. You look at it, the Lions signed Stafford to huge money. The Falcons signed Matt Ryan to huge money. All these quarterbacks, even Kirk Cousins. Like, they, these teams saw something in them, and maybe the Cowboys aren't seeing it that in Dak right, right now. Am I right on that, Greg? Yeah, I would agree with that assessment, absolutely. Um, I think that while Dak Prescott definitely has shown himself as a capable team leader, and I don't think that that's something that should be underestimated, he's not a good quarterback in the NFL compared to some of these other guys who are getting those long-term deals. So I think that's a lot of why he's been tagged is they see his leadership potential, but they don't necessarily know if he's the quarterback that they need going forward. But I'll tell you, the one thing that's going to be really interesting to me, I think the best two uh, transactions they made this offseason, first off, Zerloin, you need him. He's great. I'm going to be really Break scared. Leg. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be really scared of field position battles with the Cowboys this year. But on a bigger scale, Mike McCarthy coming in as their head coach is a very interesting move. Um, I think that 
maybe not year one, but I think that long term he is going to propel the Cowboys to a lot of success. And I think that's also some of why Dak got the tag. They want to see what the working relationship is like between coach and quarterback, because if they hit it off and he's able to help Dak develop, then yeah, they're going to want Dak around long term. But if they have a tense relationship, they don't want him locked into a deal long term. Well, that's the first time I've ever heard interesting and Mike McCarthy used in the same sentence. So congratulations, Greg. You're really a trendsetter there. Hey, you know, I do what I can, you know. Uh, Derek, any any more thoughts on the Cowboys before we move on? Yeah, I, I just I just think that uh, Mike Mike McCarthy better work on his clapping game. Honestly, if he's going to be the Cowboys coach, he just needs to learn how to clap a little bit more, smile despite anything going on, and just yeah, he'll he'll be a good fit. Absolutely. So uh, we'll just uh, we'll stay in the division here. Actually, we'll uh, we'll go with your guys' teams. I'm a Steelers fan, and we never do anything in free agency. Although we did get Eric Ebron, my boy from North Carolina. Uh, he's definitely not in the 14 touchdown, you know, the 14 touchdowns two years ago. He's definitely not that guy anymore, but he's certainly better than what we had at tight end. So that, that, that's really all I could say about the Steelers, and besides the fact that they gave up Hargrave to you guys. So I'll, uh, I'll leave it with you guys. What do you think about some of your, uh, your birds moves over the offseason? We finally got top tier cornerback talent, which is great. I think I think it was my brother that pointed out that whenever whenever uh, we would play uh, Madden, they have like an all star team of like the top talent uh, on on the on the Eagles defense. Of course, you have Brian Dawkins uh, and and very various uh, you know well known players there. Uh, but at cornerback, I think our best our best player before this was like Namdi Asamoa, uh, who was terrible whenever he was on the Eagles. So like, I, I don't know, I don't know why we've neglected to go out and make a major splash like this, you know, before, beforehand, Darius Slay and uh, Roby Coleman from, from LA uh, definitely, definitely like like the moves there. Uh, but bonehead, bonehead secondary move, Malcolm Jenkins, like literally we could have signed him for like, what seven seven million or something like stupidly low yep. he's going back to the saints now where where he came from and they're probably going to go in another super bowl with him again like it was it he, they were they were saying it was stupid that he ever left this they ever let him leave the saints and now he's going back so like i'm pissed because he was he was literally the closest thing that we've had to brian dawkins since brian dawkins and i don't care if he came out of ohio state man we want a super bowl yeah, on that note, Sean Payton was very vocal on his return to the Saints saying, you know, I was dumb to let him go in the first place. And a lot of the quotes like that really, really just added to my frustration that of such a strong secondary offseason otherwise, we let him walk. But my devil's advocate perspective, I did see this almost right after the move happened, is that this is a sign that the Eagles have full trust in this being Wentz's locker room going forward as far as he can be the leader, he can step up and lead the team. Because, I mean, you see Wentz in interviews, like he's not the most outgoing guy. He's a little bit more laid back. He's chill, except when he's a competitor. Um, But I think a lot of times in the locker room, he was probably overshadowed by Jenkins because he was such that vocal force that driving force and while I loved that he was so integral to that Super Bowl run I think that there does become a point where if you're going to have Wentz and say that he's the future of the team the future leader of the team you've got to hand the reins over to him and had they let Jenkins go and not brought in these good corners re-sign McLeod like bringing in this other talent 
I would be a lot more upset about the move. Don't get me wrong. I'm still not thrilled about it, but I can at least see an argument for why it was necessary in order to take this team to the next level for years going forward. Do you think that it should have been necessary for them? Because obviously they need help at the skill spots uh, besides Miles Sanders, Zach Ertz. Do, do you think it was a mistake that they didn't try and go get a receiver? I mean, losing Aguilar is kind of addition by subtraction. But besides that, do you, do you think that they should have gone after someone in free agency or do you think they're going to rely on this deep wide receiver class in the draft? Yeah, I, I personally am going to withhold judgment until after I see how they draft. Um, because, yeah, like you said, this is an incredibly deep class of wide receivers. So I could definitely see them making some good moves there. And, you know, the only thing, if they if the Texans were really ready to get rid of uh, DeAndre Hopkins for such a low price, I don't know why we didn't try to pursue that. But that's really my only uh, overt criticism at this point before I see how the draft and the rest of the summer plays out. Yeah, I think I think we'll definitely make a move at wide receiver in, in the draft. It's just a it's just a question of when. Uh, the need is is uh, definitely there, especially when you look at like the end of last season, where the entire team was just riddled with injuries, and and we found out just how how shallow our depth at uh, wide receiver is. Um, but yeah, now we just we we need to make a move so, somehow. Like I'm glad that we didn't you know, pay, pay a boatload for like a Stefan Diggs type of player. Uh, but yeah, no, definitely some missed opportunities in free agency. I, I also think that a lot of the, the injury was based on just the team being old, like just in general. So not even at the skill position, but just letting Darby walk, letting Jernigan walk, letting Bradham walk, uh, letting Vitae walk. I, I, I think that these guys, while they are talented, it just – uh, reinforce the idea that the Eagles are just an old squad with not a lot of speed. And so now I feel that they can actually replenish in the draft, become a faster team, and with Wentz coming back. Uh, do, do you guys see another NFC East uh, division title, or do you guys think that Dallas is better than y'all? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, we'll win the East for sure. Yeah, I'm calling it. Yeah, again, kind of like what I said with the Cowboys earlier, I think – in a couple years, uh, once McCarthy establishes his people, his culture, I think it'll be some fun, exciting, tough division races. But I think this year, barring the injuries that we had last year, it's pretty clearly the Eagles' division to lose. Yeah, and, and, and they also got lucky because they're in the worst freaking division in football. You know, the, the Giants did not make it much in the way of moves. The Redskins haven't made much in the way of moves. They're going to get Chase Young, but a rookie Chase Young – you know, how much is that going to help a defense that's pretty depleted? So uh, I, I, I think I've got a, uh, a, a quick Chase Young rant from all the Ohio State games I watched this year. The man looks like he lines up in the neutral zone about half the time and gets away with it because he's a college athlete at Ohio State. That's not going to happen in the NFL. He's not going to get that literally extra step on the offensive line. And I think that he has the potential to be not skill-wise, but draft position-wise, the biggest bust in this draft. Wow. Derek, do you, do you agree? Uh, no, I, I don't. I think that he's a, he's a foundation, foundational player that definitely should be drafted at uh, where he's going. But do, do you think that they should uh, – the Redskins, you almost think that their option could be trade down here because if they don't think that Young – if they agree with Greg's assessment – uh, do, do you think they would almost want to trade down and maybe draft another QB at the spot, draft a Love, draft a Herbert? Because obviously they don't trust in Haskins as much as they should. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think it just becomes a question of cost cost benefit at that point. Like, what what are teams willing willing to give up? How many how many extra draft picks can can you go after? Um, you know, how how confident are you that you'd be able to get some like a higher compensatory pick to select a QB like that? Uh, really, really just becomes like a, a seller's market or a buyer's market. I'm not exactly sure what that means. I just say things sometimes. Um, but yeah, no, that's about it. Yeah, and, and I think my incredibly hot take aside, even looking at um, Chase Young, just with ever with all the issues that the Redskins have, even if he is worthy of that draft position, I think that the Redskins could potentially just have such a better benefit from having more picks because I I think that they have a lot of holes to fill and if they trade down if it is a seller's market as Derek was alluding to I think that they absolutely have the chance to get better by adding more pieces Um, but it does just kind of come down to again what they're evaluating in their draft room right uh so i i have uh i guess i'll just get you guys uh, opinion on this i gave out a couple of awards uh, my first award goes to the ultimate winners of the offseason and besides the NFL for, again, being the ultimate opportunist and taking advantage of all this, I'm going to say it's the Buffalo freaking Bills. You, you mentioned Diggs, and while, yes, they did give up a, a pretty good haul for him, more than the Texans got for Hopkins, which is insane. Uh, if you look at, uh, again, going back to pro football uh, reference and the uh, uh, approximate value list, Diggs was number two. The number two wide receiver in the league last year behind Michael Thomas, if you check it for just approximate value, his his best games, when he is at his best, he's right there with everyone. You know, he, he, maybe not Hopkins, maybe not Michael Thomas, but he's right there with, like, the Godwins and the Evans and all those guys, in my opinion. And then they just – they saw the opportunity to take over the East, and they added Addison – they added Klein from New Orleans. They added Jeff Quentin Jefferson from Seattle. They added Medikavich, like I said. They added Josh Norman. They had just all these guys, and they're all solid pieces. They're nothing. It's not one piece that's going to bring them over the top. It's a collection of pieces that will take them. I I think right now they're the third best team in the AFC behind Baltimore and KC. Am I wrong there? I think they'll win the East, like for sure. I mean, it, it, it's funny. I'm look. I'm looking at like uh, Patriots Madden simulations with various free agent uh, quarter quarterbacks, and I, I don't think they break 500 with Cam Newton, with Andy Dalton, with uh, Stidham, with any anybody anybody that they run with. So Bills are def- definitely the fav- favorite now. I like the move from the side of I think it really benefited both the Vikings and the Bills Vikings were were cash strapped you know they got a Dalvin Cook contract coming up and you know Christian McCaffrey's resetting resetting the market for top running back talent you got a you know a, a Josh Allen who need needs a solid like art like a wide receiver one to throw to and it's only going to make make the offense more dynamic uh, so o- overall, yeah, I think I think that it re- really uh, ben- benefited both teams in this in this deal, and I think I think that the uh, the Bills will definitely win out of the AFCs. Greg, any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think just in the interest of keeping it brief and not being redundant, I essentially agree with everything Derek said, and I think that uh, they've got a good year ahead of them. I think that they're going to take the division, and I think they've got the potential to continue growing uh, as a unit, really go and run some Bills Mafia over the playoffs. I'm interested in Devin Singletary, uh, sec- second year in the system. 
uh, and uh, the fantasy implications of that so I can continue my, my uh, fantasy dynasty over you two fools. Well, I, I actually had Devin Singletary, and I gave him away for John Brown. I did a Bills for Bills swap, and I think that was a win for both myself and our friend Keith. So Bills, Bills Mafia is, uh, you know, whenever you can have people going through flaming tables, being powerbombed through tables and all that crap, like, it's got to be a team you got to pay attention to. Do you remember who you got Devin Singletary from, Tom? Uh, you for like an 11th round pick or something? It was a compensatory draft pick. I have about four of Tom's draft picks, including his second rounder. So I'm feeling pretty good uh, continuing my, my, uh, my championship dynasty team. Uh, and yeah, it's great. So uh, you, you mentioned Christian McCaffrey. That was the other award I was going to give out here. The wackiest offseason that wasn't Houston, because obviously Houston's going to win that every time. What the heck are the Panthers doing? Do they want to contend? You know, they brought in Bridgewater. They brought in Robbie Anderson. They brought in the new co- coach with Rule, who I know well from Temple. They brought in high-priced talent, you know, the, uh, the Okung-Turner trade. I think that's a downgrade for them. Uh, you just look at the stats again, looking at the approximate values. Uh, Okung is ranked a lot lower than what Turner was. But then you let, you let a bunch of defensive pieces go. You lose Keekly to retirement. But for some reason, they still think they can contend. Is that smart of them? I don't think they're contenders, not <laughs> not in that division. I think I I, I love the storyline, right, of uh, Bridgewater versus Breeze uh, twice a year, and I think that there could be you know some some surprises like all all around in that division of exactly who claps whose cheeks. Uh, but no, it re- it really doesn't doesn't make sense. We're play- we're paying uh, you know top tier high record breaking uh, money to Christian McCaffrey. I think that he deserves it as a player but it doesn't make sense you know from from a franchise uh perspective you know if you were going to go out and sign Robbie Anderson why don't you go out and get Jameis Winston who's who's known for the deep ball who could actually really really uh make something of him uh as opposed to Teddy Bridgewater who's more more of a precision game manager uh kind, kind of guy yeah scratching my head as much as you are Tom and the only other thing is they could have used that Teddy money, not, not only on Jameis, which would have been a cheaper option. They could have used that Teddy money on defense and then used their seventh pick to draft a Herbert, draft a Love, or even use some of their draft capital and move up for Tua. They absolutely could have been a Tua option. You know, Alabama ain't that far from Carolina. It wouldn't be that too much of a stretch for them. Uh, Greg, do you, do you make have any sense of these Panthers moves? I mean, I think that if – they weren't in such a strong division, they would make total sense. You put them in the NFC East, and I think that these moves make a lot of sense, but you look at everybody else who's in that division, and I just don't really see a pathway for success there. Um, I do think that if the injury bug hits other teams, uh, or if other teams just get unlucky bounces, they could easily slide into a wild card spot. I mean, like we've been talking about Christian McCaffrey is an absolute beast. Uh, You put him in Bridgewater in a backfield and that's interesting. Matt rule has done incredible things. Uh, You look at what he did at Baylor turning that program completely around. And yeah, some of that was through recruiting, but some of that's because the man can coach. 
So I just, I don't see it this year, but I also think that when you've got a coach like rule, you can't go into tank mode right now, or else you're not going to have the talent you need in two to three years when maybe you've got aging Brady, aging breeze, uh, aging Ryan, and then you can have Teddy Bridgewater and break through and be, you know, a pretty consistent division winner. I don't think it makes sense at all in the short term, but I could see the potential for long-term arguments for some of the moves that they're making. Yeah, for sure. Um, finally here, just, uh, we know the draft is coming up, uh, what it begins next Thursday, right? And it's going to be from the ESPN studios in Bristol, Connecticut. It was originally going to be in Roger Goodell's basement, which would have been the weirdest freaking thing because you know, he would have been like every other late, late night show host. He would have put up the, uh, the bookshelves with the, with the color coded books. He would have put a little few trophies there. He would have tried to make himself look like shit. So I'm glad that's not happening anymore. What, uh, what draft sort of traditions do you have as, as far as watching and are those going to change at all? Um, I don't really, I don't really have any like set, set traditions other than, you know, just tuning in, you know, for, for, you know, the, at least, at least the first round, round and everything. Um, I do think, and this, this is something I want, this is something I'm requesting, uh, in the midst of the pandemic, but I do think that there should be a grassroots movement to maybe get a hundred thousand people on a zoom call just like this and do a collective boo of Roger Goodell because we can't hear it this year. Uh, and business needs to continue as usual for the NFL draft. The people need this. Sports are one of the only things that people still do together nowadays from a broadcast television perspective with uh, streaming and, and every, everything becoming so, so popularized and so monetized, especially now where there's really nothing else to do. Um, but yeah, now that's my, that's my one wish is uh, everybody to boo Roger Goodell whenever he shows up. Yeah, I, I didn't think about that group boo, but wow, I'm really going to miss that. I hope that all everybody in studio can boo, even if it's just a couple of scattered boos to really make everybody feel at home. But I love that idea of a Zoom call with every NFL fan where everybody's mic can be unmuted and everybody can boo together. That's a pretty great idea. Uh, but as far as my own personal draft traditions, I just typically watch it with Eagles fans and I'm the only Eagles fan in my house. So I'll be watching it without Eagles fans or maybe like six feet away from Derek having a lawn beer. That's the only way that I'm going to get to enjoy the draft with other Eagles fans this year. We can do lawn beers for sure. We can do lawn beers. Lawn beers. Derek, I know what your lawn beer choice is going to be. It's going to be that stupid Bud Light seltzer. Just give me a quick aside on why the hell you choose this drink. Okay. So uh, basically – uh, you can drink 10 of them without feeling bloated. Like that's, that's been one of my biggest gripes about getting into my mid twenties is like, you know, you can drink your day, drink, drink, day drinking all day, but then you just feel fat for the next like three or four days. Like after the fact, just from bloating, not even from like, like actual weight gain. Uh, so that's, that's the one Two girls actually enjoy drinking it. It is uh, Bud Light Seltzer is competitive to White Claw in taste index, in my opinion, and many attractive females uh, opinions that I know. Um, so that's, that's great major va value prop there. And then uh, three, it's, it's just, it's just what's going on recently, you know, endorsed by Posty Malone. Uh, you know, they, they're making a big advertising marketing push for it and you know that me you know i'm the i'm the uh 
basically the brand, uh, Bud Light, you know, walking personified. Uh, so I got to rep it, man. I 100% got to rep it. Greg, what do you think of all this crap, man? Because I'm, I'm about to slap Derek over the screen for even like considering having this as his main drink. Normalize um, seltzer drinking, Tom. We got to normalize. You're part of the problem. This is toxic masculinity being a uh, voice to me over a microphone. We got to normalize it. Join the movement, Tom. I, I'm firmly in the middle of the two of you. Um, Tom, you got to normalize seltzers, but Derek, you have a far too high of opinion of Bud Light seltzer. And uh, unless they're going to start sponsoring the show, I don't really need to hear you go on like that again about it. But I'm all about normalizing seltzers. Bud Light seltzers are good, but they do not begin to touch White Claw. Um, but they are, I would say, on par with or above truly, and they're definitely above the Corona seltzer. So there, I have there you have it, everybody. Greg Gavazzi is a claw guy. He's a claw guy. He's a fringe guy. And yeah, no, that's that's all we needed to hear to dismiss this opinion. Irrelevant, can't be trusted, no ethos to it. Bud Light reigns supreme every single time. Wait a minute. Can we back up a second? Corona has a seltzer now? They do. Oh yeah, I haven't tried it. We gotta stop, man. I, I know y'all are y'all are trying to normalize this. It's just when I'm at a bar. I'm not ordering a white claw. I'm just not. Like if I like, there's a uh, the closest thing to a dive bar in State College is this place called the Brewery. It's where uh, 40, 50 year old freaking biker dudes go, you know, because all the other bars are college kids. And if I'm gonna pull up at a bar and order a white claw next to them, I know the looks I'm gonna get. It's not good. So I, you know, I'm gonna get get drunk while I do it. Great, but I don't want the embarrassment of uh, uh, being looked. Tom, my, my question to that line of reasoning, if you're pulling up to a bar, I understand that. But we're talking about having lawn beers. I'm talking, this is the equivalent of a tailgate. Are you telling me that you're not going to indulge in some seltzers at a tailgate? I think my thing for tailgate is more just liquor. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm trying to get drunk at a tailgate. I'm not trying to like pansy around. I don't know. How, 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 what percentage are these things anyway? I think it's like five or five or six. Tom, I really think that you would you would benefit from becoming a, sel- a seltzer guy if you could just detach the the connotation that it is reserved for females, or you will be looked down upon by these manly men in your in your life uh, by drinking drinking these. Tom, you are a fireball fanboy, true and true. You enjoy the the taste of alcohol. Uh, therefore, I really, I really think, um, or you know, good tasting alcohol rather. I really think that uh, you just got to give this a try. All right, what? Uh, just tell the people out there what's the uh, what's the top flavor? Give me your give me your flavor rankings. Black cherry, um, and then uh, coming coming in at second, tied for second. If you want to go with a safe bet, it's going to be lime. If you're feeling a little saucy, it's going to be mango. And then uh, last, they have strawberry. Uh, but, you know, they, we, strawberry is like a mixed batch. I feel like they're still trying to get it right. There, uh, Greg, is he right on that? Is Black Cherry the, uh, the goat of Bud Light Seltzers? Uh, of the Bud Light Seltzers, it's the goat. But I still, I know Derek's just going to turn around and start razzing me for this. But I believe that the, the tip-top pinnacle of Seltzers is a mango White Claw. I really thought he was going to say grapefruit. I was going to, like, blow a gasket. But uh, no, I think it's I think it's just a it's a question of flavor preferences. If you want more of a low key 
fruity flavor. Definitely go with the Bud Light if you like the uh, the sweetness, like the the kind of like overpowering fruit, like lollipop flavor. Go with a claw. You know, it's just just a question of preference. All right, so you heard it here first. We got two pansy seltzer drinkers and one real person. So, uh, we'll- and coincidentally, the two pansy seltzer drinkers are both marginally better than you at fantasy football. Let's go. Oh, Greg, if we have to have an argument about fantasy football again. Just a quick aside to finish up here. Our fantasy league is super competitive, besides Derek, who just owns all our asses. At the end of the season, we had, a, what was it, like a three-team tie almost for, for the last spot in the playoffs. And yeah, it, was, it was a three- or four-team tie. Yeah, and so me and Greg were the ones that had the most legitimate cases to make the playoffs, and I laid out my case that I had the most head-to-head wins over everybody, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I thought, oh, man, I got this playoff spot on lock. Greg comes in in our Snapchat group with, like, a letter from his lawyer, pretty much, but it's him. He reads, he writes a statement that's just like, here is why I believe, and he just goes through all the legalese of fantasy. I, I, Derek, is that something you would do? Um, you know, I, I don't think I would, I would ever be in that position because I don't go six and six. I'm just too good at, uh, at fantasy football, too obsessed with winning uh, to ever put myself in that position. But uh, yeah, I think, I think that, uh, you know, I could I could definitely lawyer some people. I'm definitely definitely logical with uh, with my logical and loud are the two attributes that would make me successful. So we have the uh, the fantasy football lawyer and Greg. We have the seltzer aficionado and Derek and me and champion of the and champion of course. And even though you say you're like a four time champion, even though we've only cared about the league for like three four years. Yeah, like immediately whenever I took over commissionership for you, that's that's whenever your Super Bowl started, Tom. Oh yeah, you know, I just I kind of woke up one day. I was commissioner of the league for the first two years, and I just kind of woke up one day, and Derek was like, "Oh, hey, I'm taking the commissioner job now." I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and then people started caring, Tom. I made this league better. And I've won it four out of six years, dominated, set up, a, set up a foundation for a dynasty for my team. And I will continue to reign until I have as many rings as Brady, if not more. All right, we got to get out of here before you blow a load. <laughs> this has been the Next Man Up podcast. And uh, thank you to my co-hosts, Greg and Derek, for the Excellent analysis on not only the football, but truly the seltzers. I, I think that's what people want to hear about. I'm, I'm not for it, but I, uh, I think a lot of people are. And we'll, uh, we'll try to have some more regular seltzer conversations going forward. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll even try one. Maybe I'll even try one of the friggin' ass <laughs> um, white calls. This is a whole segment. This is a whole segment going forward. Tom, I had some friends who did a April Madness seltzer bracket, so uh, I imagine that we could use that bracket and get you to rank your seltzers if you were so inclined. Oh, blind taste tests with the seltzers? Let's do it. Let's put it to the test. All right, well, I'm going. My, uh, my drive-in, my local drive-in in Dallas is one of the only – one of 14 theaters in America still open, and I'm going tonight to see uh, Invisible Man. I haven't seen it yet. So, you know, maybe if I'm watching, like, Elizabeth Moss do some chick shit, I'll be like, oh, okay, I'll drink a White Claw with this because, you know, a chick's on screen, so I guess it's okay. B-L. Say it with me, Tom. B 
L. Sounds uh, white claw. <laughs> Ain't no laws. All right, yo, thank you. Thank you again to you guys, and uh, we'll catch up. Uh, when do you want to do this next? You want to do this after the draft? Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, sounds good. All righty, post-draft coming. All righty. Uh, for myself, for the uh, seltzer aficionado, and for the fantasy football lawyer, we will see you all later.